0: Hello and welcome to Ball in the Real World. This is the newest joint in the ESPN podcast world. The premise of this podcast is Australian basketball. We'll cover everything Australian basketball, the pros, NBA, NBL, international basketball, college basketball. But of course, we're opening up with a preview of the NBL season. It begins very soon. It's been a wild off-season. I was writing my preview for ESPN and I realized that the off-season has been 10 months. Well, at least by the time the season starts, 10 months. That's 10 months without NBL basketball. And with me to preview the season ahead, two fellow ESPN contributors. First, I have Kane Pittman. Kane, how you
1: doing? I'm doing well. Like you said, we've had a few roadblocks here. I think I'm ready for basketball, but I just don't want to get too excited.
0: I mean, the start of the NBA season has sort of tempered me because that's felt a bit pre seasony too. But hopefully, the start of the NBA season is. It kind of starts with a bang. But Kane isn't the only person with me. Of course, I have another ESPN contributor,
2: Steve Smith. Steve, hello. Olgan g'day. Kane, g'day. It's, uh, I'm, I'm really excited. I'm, I'm not tempering at all. I'm all in. Let's, uh, <laughs> let's, let's get the ball up and, and let's get going.
0: So the way we're going to frame this conversation we'll have today is through a sort of winners and losers things. Out of the offseason, going into the regular season, who are winners and who are losers? And I think we're going to get right into it because God, I want this stuff just to start. And so the Adelaide 36ers, Kane, I'm going to throw it to you to start off, right? They added uh, Donald Sloan as one of their imports. They added uh, Tony Crocker as another import who I think will come off the bench. A lot of talk around Josh Giddy, Isaac Humphries is their sort of key local signing. Kane, winner or loser, Adelaide 36ers.
1: I don't know. Honestly, I don't want to have a cop-out straight away, but Adelaide's one of my teams that I have a question mark next to because I'm just not really sure what to expect from them. And part of the reason for that is what you just touched on, the imports with Swan and Crocker, because they've actually just been able to join the team recently here. And I think there's there's a couple of teams that are in the same boat, but I will say that Adelaide, for me, I think it's going to take a little bit of time for them to figure it out. Uh, I, I think they're going to be exciting. Obviously, headlined by Giddy. Uh, who everyone in Australia and Barcelona is certainly looking forward to watching but i've got a question mark I, i'm not sure what to expect from adelaide
0: it's very exciting we get to start the podcast with kane sitting on a fence that's really <laughs> awesome <laughs> <laughs> um steve how much i want to know winner or loser and then on top of that how much are you putting the success of this team on how good josh giddy
2: is out of the gate Look, I think Kane's got a fair point because it's an entirely revamped roster. But at the same time, I I think their depth is so much better now. And I think that, um, look, I think they're a winner out of this. I I think with Giddy, especially, as you said, he's going to be such an impact maker uh, right from the get-go. So, and it will hinge a lot on him, but I think with two quality imports and that, you know, and with Isaac Humphreys, you know, up front, It'll be interesting to see how him and DJ go together. But I think overall, I think you have to pin them as winners. I've got them, you know, on the, as a borderline finals team.
0: Okay. So you, the, the question you raise about Humphreys and DJ playing along, alongside each other is legitimate, right? And I think it's going to be yeah. a trend as the season goes on. Can they play these two big dudes up front when let's say Brisbane has Matt Hodgson with Vic Law, who's a, a small, a, you know, a four man who's sort of a wing, really. Um, you have the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix probably starting Mears Creek at the four. And so can DJ or who is going to guard these smaller four men? Um, but I'm with you. I have the 36ers as, as a winner. And I think it's purely because of the context of how they entered the season, coming off the Joey Wright stuff, the the, the Twitter debacle that, that happened with Kevin White, you know, throwing out those, you know, Secret conversations, and you know, the 36ers were just in a really bad place. They've picked up Josh Giddy, who you know, who knows how good he's actually going to be in the regular season, but he's a guy who a lot of eyes will be on, and not just eyes as far as an audience goes, but NBA eyes. And so that'll be helpful for Donald Sloan, who's you know, a, an accomplished point guard who might hope to get back in the NBA. Same with Isaac Humphreys, who played a few games in the NBA and will be hoping to get back there. He's still, he just turned 23. Um, and so I think they've added enough interesting pieces and intriguing pieces that they're going to be exciting to watch. Um, whether they're successful is a different story. That, that front court duo is a question. How they play defense is also a question. Um, but I think relative to where they were at, let's say, this point in last season, I think they're in such a better spot.
2: No, I, I agree completely. Climb down off the fence, Kane.
1: Well, i I'll going well, just actually prove my point. So if you're asking me if I think they're a winner for my own viewing experience, then sure, they're a winner because I'm going to enjoy watching them. But you said yourself that there's so many new pieces there that you're not sure whether that's going to translate to winning. So that's why it's a question mark. For me personally, my selfish point of view, yes, winner. I'm going to enjoy watching them play.
0: I'm, I'm, I'm talking about the sensors. They might not win a lot of games, but it doesn't mean that they're, they're not a winner going into the season relative to where they were at this point last season because at this point last season you had different factions within the team going at each other going at the coach the coach out in the media publicly kind of slamming his players that's that's a really bad place to be and so compared to where they are right now I think they're in a better spot um, but I do get your point I, I don't it's still it's yet to be seen whether we can trust them to win a lot of games um, so we have have we pushed you off the fence into the sort of the winner's column here?
1: Well, I will say that I'm going to be watching them play because I'm not going to miss Josh Giddey playing. Because again, when we talk about the young stars that come into the league, obviously everyone's going to be looking ahead to the NBA. Uh, the one thing that I hope, and this is what we didn't see last year with Illawarra, is I hope they stay healthy because I think the veterans that you mentioned and certainly Donald Sloan in particular is going to really help Giddy because even though he's probably going to be starting at the three, he's going to be running a lot of their offense. Um, so having that veteran point guard there and they can share the ball handling responsibilities, share the playmaking, I think it's going to be great for him. And we've already seen, uh, to no surprise at all, that he looks pretty comfortable. He looks pretty comfortable at the level. And I think that's the exciting thing.
0: So speaking of the 36ers, a lot of the players who had some issues with that franchise have now moved on to the Brisbane Bullets. So we're talking about guys like Anthony Drimmick, Harry Frawling, um, you know Nathan Sobey previously, but he's obviously with the with the bullets as well. Um, Steve, where, do, where where are you putting the bullets? They've added Vic Law and Orlando Johnson as their two imports. I think a lot of people are high on Vic Law. Um, you know he has he's that, he's one of those guys who has the potential to lead the league in scoring. Um, but they did lose Will Magne, who is a massive loss when it comes to just purely rim protection and then finishing at the rim. Steve, what, what do you have the, the bullets as, winner or loser?
2: Unfortunately, I've got them as a loser. Um, I think it's not just Magnet, you know, It's losing Patterson as well. Um, I think their depth is is still not good enough. I, I, I'm intrigued by Law um, and, and to, to an extent how Drummick and, and Froling fit in. But I, I think they're going to struggle this year. They they don't have the quality of of uh, and of depth, and I think that's going to be the biggest problem. Um, in a in a compacted season, and I I I can't can't see them making the finals.
0: Yeah, you know, I, I couldn't say I disagree. In in my notes, yeah, I wrote depth in in all caps with a question mark. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I don't like their their the point guard depth. It seems as though that they might start Jason Kadi at the point, and then beyond that is it Tamary Wigness off, off the bench? And as far as the, the two preseason games, I don't know if I, I trust him enough to really ha- handle the ball too much for that team. Um, and, and that's but, the thing, isn't it? Because like, if you
2: start Kadee now, that that really hurts your firepower off the bench.
0: Right. And, and look, it, in saying that, I am really high on Drimic. And I think Drimic will come out and have a big year. He had, he shot the lights out in preseason. He looks like maybe the best, one of the best sharpshooters in the NBL. Um, and I think he's going to have a big year froling seems to be i'm I'm really i'm sitting on the fence on froling he looks like he could take that next step right and we've been saying that for a while but it looks like that that's kind of on the horizon so with Magne gone and and matt hodgson you know in like perennial trouble you know froling has the potential to to break out and have that season that we hope and he has the potential to have um but again losing patterson is big um, losing Magne is maybe bigger it's just huge and so I have them as a loser as well um, I think Sobi could be in for a big year just because they'll need him to have a big year and like I said Vic Law can potentially lead the league in scoring so that, that could change things for them um, but I just don't see how they got better relative to last year okay did, do they sorry I
2: was just going to say do they take some of the playmaking duties off Sobi this year do you think I think they have to.
0: Uh, I I don't think we've we've seen, you know, the the first two preseason games, the bullets played against the 36ers. We saw it was an undermanned bullets team and Nathan Sobey was forced to play the point a lot. And even against a 36ers team that wasn't at full strength. And obviously the bullets weren't at full strength either. Sobey just didn't look too great at that, at the point. Um, I don't think we saw it as far as his previous seasons with the bullets either. And so I I think that sort of, that experiment's over, Um, you know, Sobey at the two works and, We saw it in in their last preseason game um, against Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. And so I I think that's the go moving forward and that point guard that does scare me.
1: Yeah, again, I mean, you mentioned it, uh, Olgen there. Vic War could tip the scales if he comes out and has a monster season. But I'm always concerned when you're looking at a team and looking at um, veteran players, which obviously Sobe is, and and even Froehling. I mean, he's been around for a couple of years now. He's been in the league. He understands. But when when you're saying that they might have big seasons, and, and you're really just saying it because you think the opportunities are going to be there because the team might struggle, it's a concern. I actually have throwing in the mix, and I don't want to jump the gun a, a little bit here for most improved because I, I think that the opportunities are going to be there. I don't think that necessarily is a great thing for the team in terms of wins and losses through the season, though. So I think when you look at this league now more than ever, it's about star power. When you look at the best team, there's genuine stars on there, and I just don't really see it with Brisbane. So I've probably got them as a loser as well.
0: So Kane, I'm going to throw it to you then. Andre Lamantes has been with this team for a good amount of time now. Um, they didn't make the, the postseason last year. Is this sort of a like is this champ? Not champ. Is this finals or bust for Andre Lamantes?
1: It depends because I mean he's a, he's a good coach, and we know that he's got, with those with that team. He's going to have good relationships with those guys. The question will be for the franchise. You mentioned it before with Adelaide. Is it stability? Do they want to keep the stability of Lomanis in the system so they can keep ticking things over year by year? Where is the expectations coming into this season as well? Is the team looking at this year as finals or bust? I think that's what's going to answer the question. If they understand where they're at and they think that potentially the finals are a long shot, then I don't think it's going to be that situation for Lomanis. But if they see that, I mean, he could ultimately find himself in trouble because I don't think they're going to be a final team.
0: So, Steve... Let's go over to the other Queensland team, looking at the Cairns tie pans. Off the bat, winner or loser?
2: Oh, straight up winner. Just simply because they kept their import duo. Like that stability and that star power that that Kane was just talking about that Brisbane don't necessarily have, Cairns do. And they've got potentially really two legitimate MVP candidates there. So in in their imports, and that's really the, the dream scenario for every NBL team, to have two absolute superstar imports carrying the load with you know plenty of australian depth so i think straight off the bat they're, they're a winner they're they're a top three they should be they, they should be thereabouts for as a top two team
0: kane is it just straight up they kept machado and, and oliver um and doing that in the context of being not a big market team is it just they were able to do that both on two-year deals is it just they're a winner because of that and then and then some
1: Yeah, I had them as my biggest winner of the offseason altogether. And I I think some people may look at that and be a little bit surprised. But I think sometimes when we talk about winners and losers, we automatically are drawn to the additions. And sometimes it's the guys you keep. And for Cairns, I mean, uh, we already spoke about it here with Machado and and Oliver. It's obviously huge for them. But also Quattanoia is another guy they got to keep. Now, he obviously re-signed there. There was some outside hopes, I know, from within his camp that he would be a drafted stash guy. He was always going to play for Cairns. But I think we forget some of the performances he had before he went down with injury as well. I remember still the, the 25 points against the Kings back in December. It was, was a pretty impressive performance. So I think those three and then the other, the other big name, the other draft prospects we're talking about, Mojave King, obviously, again, he had a huge trial game the other night. So Cairns, you guys are able to keep, as you mentioned, for a, a team like that so that has lost, MVP star caliber players in the past it's a good sign for them
0: and with the import limit being cut to two you know we spoke about the idea of, of Frolling have an increased role having an increased role in Brisbane I think it's going to be the same for Kwat Noi who can step in and you know play a more significant role on the wing with DJ Nuble gone um, mm. and so you spoke about Frolling as a potential most improved guy we're going to talk about awards later but I think Kwat Noi is a guy who should probably be in that category too. Um, you spoke yeah, about Mo him. King. I had him.
2: I've got him there as well, Olgen. Sorry, to, uh, but I've, I've got him as my my most improved. He just he showed so much last season, and obviously the potential is there. Um,
0: so it's just a, seemingly such an easy pick. Um, but with the Taipans, you know, you spoke about Mo King, Kane, and you know he looks a lot better and more ready than I thought he would. I wasn't sure how well and how quickly he would transition to this level but it just seems like he has that sort of NBA length and athleticism and that sort of flow and that glide um, that you don't really see in NBL players. And, you know, we've only seen, you know, a preseason game and, um, and it's, it's tough to judge too much off those sorts of things. But when you just, the eye test matters, right. And, and you see him out there, he looks like a guy who can make an impact for this team. Um, and I also don't want to gloss over Nate Juay who looks relatively healthy and is a guy who off the bench you can throw it into him, and it's not even about him scoring. It's just it's about him, you know, bringing the attention and creating for others. He's a smart player. Um, he's still sort of the heart and soul of that team, and so I, I don't think we can kind of gloss over, you know, him, you know, remaining in cans. So I, I think they have, you know, that that top tier talent and the depth to to go all the way. But Kane, do you think for this Taipan's team? Do you think in the same way that we point to Josh Giddey as sort of being a barometer for how successful the 36ers could be, can you see a, a, a similar thing with Mo King and this Taipans team?
1: Well, it's funny. You mentioned your notes before. The the notes I had down for King was physically ready and I had that underlined because even when you're watching him the other night, his size. But even, I think it was yesterday, as we're recording this, he did his media availability, and he just looks like, he, he looks like he's bulked up. He looks like he's ready to go. Obviously, he has the height, but uh, that, that physicality, I think, is going to help him. And you don't often see that with 18-year-olds who come into the league. I think about RJ Hansen last year, and when you saw him in person, you knew you were looking at an 18-year-old kid. And, and I don't think that's necessarily what you take away when you look at King. So I, I, he, He's the type of player that we think we know where they're going to be, with Machado and Oliver, if Mojave King comes in and has a monster season, then he's the guy that can take them over the top. So he could be the difference. And I know this is a lot of pressure on an 18 year old, but he could be the difference between them being a, as Steve mentioned, a a, a top two team battling in the finals to winning a title. I I don't think that that's unreal. Unrealistic.
0: I mean, it's, it is a lot of pressure, but I feel like if you want to be in the NBA and you're not willing to take yeah. on the pressure of, of trying to help the cut cans Taipans to an NBL title, then maybe you <laughs> probably shouldn't be in the NBA.
2: Um, Steve, do you sort of, do you hold that same sentiment? Uh, look, I, it's again, you said, you know, you talk about preseason games and, and not taking too much out of them, but Chi Whizzy looked comfortable, didn't he? Like 21, you know, 21 points in 20 minutes. That's that's pretty comfortable in your first game, regardless whether it's preseason. So he, he stepped on and, and never looked back really. So I, as you say, it's a bit of pressure, but I, I think he's ready. So you talk about
0: teenagers coming and making an impact. It's what we saw with the Hawks last season with Lamello Ball. Um, the Hawks this season look completely different. They have a new name. They have a new ownership, a new head coach coach. Um, practically all new players because they had to just build up their roster effectively from scratch um for me the Hawks I have as winners just because they went off potentially not existing as an organization to having a good ownership group come in um bringing in you know Brian Gorge and probably the the best coach in NBL history um and then adding you know a, a slew of quality talented guys whether they all come together is my question but Dengadel is, is your marquee Australian Tyler Harvey who, who's another guy who I think could be in that conversation for leading the league in scoring Justinian Jessup as a next star right they've just brought in a, a really cool crop of, of top-tier talent um, and if if Brian Gordon can make it work and I guess with him there's no reason to think that he can't make talent work um, I think they're they're a sneaky good team, and I think they're an easy winner as well. Steve, what do you, what do you think?
2: Oh, absolute winner, just for all those reasons that you said. I, I think given where they were and their credibility, I think that, that that's as much as anything is a big reason why they're winners this time because now they have, as you said, a coaching setup that's completely revamped. The roster's revamped. There's hope and confidence that that they'll do well. And for me, they're a bit like Adelaide in that, they're a borderline top fourteen. Yeah.
0: Kane, Kane, what do you think about the Hawks? Do you think uh, we're putting a lot of pressure on Dengadel? And I didn't even mention Cam Um And then I think health also matters because Dengadel's been a bit banged up. Cambasto has been banged up too. But Kane, how do you? What do you think about this Hawks team?
1: Yeah, if there's any team that knows about uh, how health can derail you, it's probably the Hawks. After last year, with it felt like all the star players that they, they acquired uh, ended up getting injured. So that'll be one thing for them. I think the, the hiring of Gorgian, again, we keep talking about stability, but I just think it was the right move for this team to bring him in coming off the year that they had last year, which uh, was obviously great for the league. It was great for Australian basketball, but it was a circus everywhere they went. It, it didn't feel like they were an NBL team trying to win games. They were just a, a show that was going around the league. So I think to get Gorgian in uh, and still pick up some genuinely exciting young players. And anytime you can get an Australian, an Australian-Sudanese in Adel's uh, uh, point here that could be in the NBA, he's a fringe NBA prospect, and you get him in to play the NBL and, and, and move around Australia and Australian fans get to see this guy play, I think it's a huge win. It's a huge win for them. I think the one thing we know that Gorgian will get out of this team is competitiveness. They're going to compete. There were times last year where that wasn't the case so on top of the fact that they are still just around they're still a team i think it's i think it's a big win for them
0: so i want to bring give this to you steve i'm and i don't mean to to be insensitive here but i'm a bit, a bit too young to to know how good a coach Brian gordon was i never i I'm, i never saw him coach in the nbl um you know he was in china by the time i started covering basketball so yeah. i haven't seen him up close um and so i don't i don't get not that I don't get the reverence around him because um, I obviously see his resume and I, I under, I, I can understand history. Um, but I, I, it's, it's weird when, when people talk about it so viscerally, it, can you yeah. talk about just what Gorgian
2: is? Oh, for sure. So I think the, the biggest thing is to tr- understand how, how much of a rabble the Sydney Kings were before he arrived and to understand that they went through imports just like they were, you know, changing shirts. Like it, it it's, it's, it's an incredible achievement what he did to bring them all together and then win three titles just by dint of not just good coaching. He's not just a good coach, but he's a consensus. So he brings people together. He brings teams together incredibly well. And that's why I think for, for the Hawks, he's the perfect fit for this group. It's a brand new roster. But if anyone's going to make that chemistry work, that mix, it's going to be him
0: yeah it, it, it's weird when you hear people talk about him where you know i have a chat with patty mills and the way he talks about brian gorgian yeah andrew Bogart mentioned that um you know gorgian being appointed as the boomers head coach was something that nearly kept him from retirement and in my mind i'm thinking like, how how good could this guy actually be kane do you have I, I don't know what your kind of historical context is as far as watching gorge but what, what do you what do you think
1: No, as far as coaching style, I'm interested to see what type of basketball he has these guys playing because I think the big thing when you have a coach that spans so many years and decades in this case, it's interesting, it's always interesting for me to see how they evolve with the game as well. And we've seen in many circumstances where great coaches have struggled to move into the modern day basketball with the three-point shot and the modern offense and all those types of things. But the one thing that he has and everyone that I speak to I'm in the same boat as as you, Olgen, in terms of not being um, as well-versed as others in terms of what he does on the court, X's and O's wise. But every time you speak to someone, uh, they say that he brings teams together and the players love him. He's a player's coach. And I think that that will be the big thing. When you have a a roster with so many new faces that are going to be coming in and really the key players for the Hawks are the new faces. The guys that are coming in are the ones that are going to have to produce. Uh, I don't know whether there would be a better man just from, who you speak to, what you hear. I don't know if there would be a better man to bring them together.
2: He'll um. will so, also play the you know everyone's against us card better than anyone else in the league this year. <laughs> like nobody, nobody believes in you in you guys, and we're going to show them. That's it's 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 not as basic as that, but that's a card that will be played by them this year.
0: I think their roster is sort of matches that too. When you think about Adele as a guy who wants to get back in the NBA uh Ken yep. is someone who I think a lot of people have written off cuz he's had some injuries. He's been out of the Australian spotlight for a little bit now. Um and I, and I think Tyler Harvey is also a guy who wants to get back in the NBA. So that sort of sentiment I guess fits with that roster. Um moving on to a team that has I guess so Brian Gordon will be coaching the, the Australian Boomers, the starting power forward for that team. Uh just signed with Melbourne United and has made them I think is the obvious favorite, and it's 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 annoying because yeah. I get it. We say that a lot, um, but I think just talent wise, top to bottom, from the, the head coach to the last player, I think they're they're easily just the most talented group. Um, Kane. When it comes to Melbourne United, is it is it too easy just to say they are so talented and they they seem so balanced? They are the obvious favorite.
1: Well, at the moment, we can only go on what we're looking on. Uh, <laughs> paper, and I'm looking at it, and I've got the starting five, and McCarran, Golding, Hobson, Barlow, Landau, there's no starting five that's more talented than that individually on paper, so they are the favourites, uh, we'll see what happens when the games start, the one thing I will say with Melbourne United that's going to really work in their favour, uh, we spoke about it with Cairns, the fact that they bring back Oliver and Machado, the bonus that United have is Landau's been in Australia since March, and you spoke about the, the 10-month off-season, he's been with these guys. So, it's not like he's coming out of hotel quarantine and joining the team two weeks before the season starts. He knows these guys. He's been practicing with, with them for months. Uh, so, they're going to have an advantage there. They're going to have some familiarity by the time the season hits off.
0: And, and it's also, you know, Landau spending time with you know, Chris Golding, with the Boomers. Yeah. He's just been around this, this crew for so long. Um, and I think, so you, I assume you have them as winners. Um... <laughs> <laughs>
1: hard, hard, it's hard not to, let's be honest.
0: <laughs> um, so, so look. I, obviously, I have them as winners too, um, and I think it also comes down to not just the fact that they are so talent cause, talented, because talented. Because when you look at last season, you know Mello, Trimble, and Sean Long are super talented, right? And, and you can again easily point to them and say, this team is just so good, it has to work. But this this season does feel a bit different, where you know I, I think you're putting ego aside a little bit, and it seems as though this team's a bit more balanced. Um, and a bit more sort of reasonable when, when it comes to, you know, you, you know who your scorers are. You don't have a point guard who needs the ball in his hands because Mitch McCarron is, is a guy who just has a nose for the ball and will go get his own. Um, he, he's a great defender, sort of the heart and soul of this team. You know what Chris Golden can do. And again, we forget that Scotty Hobson was maybe the most talented player in the NBA last season too. And so, you know, throwing him in the mix with Landale, who – Landau can go get you, you know, five points and 20 rebounds or 20 points and, and 10 rebounds. Right. He can do it all. And I feel like he has the maturity to, to just seamlessly, you know, slip into this roster and just make an impact where he needs to. Um, so I think that's the big key. And then I think they have depth. you know, Shay Illy is, I think could be a starting level guard in the NBL. He comes off the bench for this team. Jack white, I think is a really good energy guy off the bench. Um, and I don't think we should blink at Yudai Baba, the, the the Japanese guard who I think is just so dynamic. He's just going to cause just a lot of a lot of trouble for opposing benches because I think depth is an issue across the NBL, and I think Baba has the potential just to be this sort of roadrunner and just attack these dudes with with his you know dynamic energy. Steve, Steve, what do you think about United?
2: Yeah, I think like obviously we've all got them as as a winner, as a clear winner from from this off season. Every year, we, you know, people pick United and it's just simply based on the talent. But I think – and the question, the perennial question about Melbourne United is, is there enough shots to go around? But I think you're right. This year feels a lot different. The chemistry just feels better. As you said, McCarron doesn't need 20 shots a game to be effective at that position. And as you said, Landale's versatility and Hobson's versatility, like that's a that's a proven veteran, a professional veteran player – who is going to get the job done. You know he's going to get the job done. So I think top to bottom, and as you said, and Shay Ellie was one of my picks for sixth man of the year because I think you're just going to see him come off the bench and he's going to give opposition teams just fits with how he plays. And I think, yeah, top to bottom, they're just the clear title favourites.
0: Yeah, and I don't think we to overlook Dean Vickerman as a head coach. I think he's, he's no. proven enough to be yep. just unbelievably capable. Um, And so if anyone's going to lead this sort of team, I guess it's Vickerman. And look, the the talk around the NBL is that the top two teams are going to be Melbourne and New Zealand, just because of the the talent that these these teams have added. So Kane, I'll go to you, New Zealand. Are they winners or losers in your mind?
1: Well, they're losers because they can't be at home right now. And I, I, I think, honestly, honestly, this is, this is going to be the big question mark with New Zealand. We've seen it in, in not just uh, basketball. But we've seen it in other sports when teams have been relocated. It's a clear disadvantage for them. And I know that uh, there's teams all across uh, the league that are doing similar things. And certainly right now, as we're recording, there's going to be no games in Victoria. There's going to be no games in New South Wales for the first couple of weeks of the season. But New Zealand, when are they going to get to go home? Uh, and I, I think that's a, that's a genuine uh, question mark over this team uh, and I think it is something that I, I don't know how you quantify it but I think it is going to impact them and, and it'll be a question of whether they can still come together. Maybe it helps them. I, I know that it's it, depending on what type of group they have but that's the first thing I think of when I think about New Zealand. It's certainly a disadvantage.
0: So I'm thinking about obviously the Toronto Raptors who, about, right. who, I, who I think made really good off-season acquisitions. I, I think they'll... A solid team, maybe like a top four team that he's going into the NBA season. Based in Tampa, their season has gone off to a horrendous start. Do you think, despite the the talent that, that the Breakers added, Ty Webster, who I think is, is a legit Euro League guard, Corey Webster coming off the bench, which I think speaks to more than just the depth that that team will have, but I think just the the chemistry and maturity that I think they'll have relative to last season. And then Colton Iverson is another Euro League guy. Lamar Patterson is is pretty proven. Do you you think that the idea of being based outside of your home and potentially and I think probably not ever getting a home game for the season, do you think that that is such a a big thing for them to overcome that that it could kind of mess with their talent?
1: I think so. I mean, I really do. I mean, we'll see. I I think that they're talented enough that I still have them uh, making the finals, but I just think it'll be something to watch through the season, particularly if they start to lose a couple of games in a row. Uh, how are they going to overcome that? Uh, I think, again, when you have so many uh, international players in your team, maybe it matters less, but still, some of these teams are going to be able to go home to their own bed. As you said, they might not get a home game all season long. That's, that is significant.
2: Steve, what do you think? Um, I think it's a testament to that, that depth of talent that we were talking about, that they're still rated a definite top two <laughs> team. Uh, regardless. Because if they, even if they're not playing at home, they've still got this incredible versatility to their lineups that makes them a clear finals, you know, contender, if, if not a championship contender, like I I think Lamar Patterson is going to go very close to MVP. Um, And Corey Webster is just another guy I probably had in, in the six man conversation, just having him be able to come off the bench is a luxury few teams in this league would have, assuming he's recovered from his uh, avocado hand.
0: (laughs) <laughs> that has been one of the, the more absurd starts <laughs> to Just season. honestly. <laughs> this an absurd narrative. Um, let's, let's move on to the defending champs, the Perth Wildcats. Obviously, they, they went through their their little saga where they lost Bryce Cotton and then they got Bryce Cotton back. Um, and obviously, that, that's probably the biggest retention if, when you keep the best player in the league. That is just the most important thing that a team can do. Um, beyond that, though, I, I don't know what this team has done to get any better they lost Nick Kay, who went and signed with, with Real Betis. They added John Mooney, who I think can be really solid. I think he'll be really good in this league. But beyond that, what what have what have they done? You know, they they they're in a big disadvantage because John Mooney's camp wasn't too keen on signing a next stars contract. And so that that because he didn't do that, they didn't have that extra import spot to to work with they thought that maybe Bryce Cotton's citizenship would be a little bit more far along. And I was told that the Wildcats did make some calls about potentially that second import, you know, alongside, I guess it would be John Mooney now, but Bryce Cotton's not a citizen yet and we don't know when he will be. And so, you know, Steve, I'll throw it to you. You know, I have them as losers cause I just don't see how they've gotten better. And I think
2: a lot of teams have gotten better. Where do you have them? Yeah, same. Um, I, I I hate betting against Perth. I've, we've all made that mistake when they've I know, looked, I know. when they've when they've looked bad and they've they've shown us. But this going to this season, I cannot remember uh, a Perth team having less talent than what they've got currently now as they stand. Um, there's just myriad questions about how they're going to get the job done, especially in the front court. I think they've still got the league's best player, but how much help is he going to have? That's the big question.
0: Yeah. Watching them in the preseason and just looking at their roster from top to bottom, I struggle to see where they get offense outside of Cotton. Yeah, and and maybe you know running Clint Steindl off off a billion screens. They're just they're the two things that that team can do on the offensive end. I don't know if if John Mooney is necessarily a guy who you throw the ball into and and you know he can create stuff for you. So I just don't think they have enough creators, no no one to initiate anything other than and other than Cotton and maybe Steindl. Kane, where where are you in this sort of situation?
1: I can't believe you guys are writing off the San Antonio Spurs of the NBL. This is unbelievable. But, but we do know we do know. last season the Spurs didn't make the NBA playoffs. Maybe this is the year that the Perth Wildcats miss out. I've got them on the fringe. They can't be a winner. There's no way you can say that the Perth Wildcats are a winner. Uh, so much relies on John Mooney. You've already mentioned him. But you think about every single good team in this league. There's always a good uh, a star guard and a star big man. If you go through some of the combinations, obviously, Bogut and Ware, Trimble and Long, Cotton and Kay last year. Obviously, Kay went off in the NBA finals, Machado and Oliver. So is Mooney – I tell you what, if the Perth Wildcats makes the playoffs this year, I think John Mooney's averaging uh, 23 and 10 and shooting 40% from three. He can shoot it. He did it across his entire college career, 35% uh, from, uh, uh, from three for Notre Dame over four years. So he can shoot it. Maybe he turns into a, a bigger pick-and-roll threat than we think with Bryce Cotton. We'll see. I've got him on the outside looking in. They can't be a winner. They lost uh, lost Nick Kay.
0: I, I think if if they want to be in the in the finals in the postseason, John Mooney has to be you know yeah either All NBL first team or you know the top guy in the All NBL second team. I think he has to perform at that level if this team wants to succeed. Um, and I think you can just point when you point to how slim they are. You, I look at this the starting four man is probably going to be Luke Travers who I'm very high on. And I think he's a a potential NBA guy down the track, but they're starting a DP. That's just just, as simple as that. They're starting a DP. um, And and I, I just don't see where they get production from when they, when they've lost a lot of their production. And I don't think have really added anyone else. Is it, I don't know, and you, Kane you right. the, the yeah. Spurs, Steve. I, I don't. I, again, I feel bad about betting against Perth too. I've done it before, <laughs> and I was. Yeah, they, 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 they come at me, but I don't know. This one feels different.
2: Yeah, you you write them off at your peril. Uh, um, as you said, we've we've all done it, and but I think if this is the year that they they end that incredible playoff streak, I think this this is probably the most likely. The only thing that may save them is if I guess if Cotton's citizenship comes through. At some point in the season, and they, they can add uh, another import, then, but it might be too late by that stage. I mean,
1: look,
2: COVID doesn't help that because if they add another import, yeah. they've got
0: to get an import over here. That's not easy yeah. to do. Kane, what do you want? Olgin,
1: well, uh, I just have to say, uh, my expectations for John Mooney, if he was the next star, you know, 16 and eight perhaps, but if he's not an next star, he's, he's out and out import 23 and 10. You got to, you put the pressure on himself. So it's all on John Mooney for the wildcat. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay. Let's move on. And I'm going to throw this to you straight away, Kane, because I guess this is your home team, the Southeast Melbourne Phoenix. Um, I don't know uh, the geography of, Mel- of Victoria at all. So I have no idea where things are, um, but Southeast Melbourne, winner or loser.
1: Uh, look, I think they're a winner. I actually am pretty optimistic about Southeast Melbourne. I would say Melbourne United would be my my home team. I think I'm in Geelong. Melbourne United a little bit closer up than uh, than than the Southeast suburbs. I would say, but I like what Southeast Melbourne did. The one question I had coming into this off season was, how are they possibly going to replace John Roberson? He was one of the most electric players in the league, and and I was fortunate enough to to cover a bunch of those games where the Phoenix were really only just hanging around because of him going absolutely off from the outside. Uh, even a couple of weeks ago, I was like, OK, well, when's this guy going to come in? Who's the guy they're going to get? Kiefer Sykes. Oh, man, I am fired up about Kiefer Sykes. We'll get to the awards later, but I'm all in on the Kiefer Sykes train. I, I think the, the Phoenix could be an outside chance for the playoffs. And I say that because I know they were awful last year. They started 5-2 and two and then had an awful finish 4-17. and 17. But six of those losses were by fewer than five points. There was a bunch of other single-digit losses. They were always in games. They just didn't have the defense to carry them in the fourth quarter. So I think that's a big question mark. Can they get stability from their big men? They didn't necessarily have that last year.
0: You teasing that you've got Keeper Sykes for an award has me... I don't know. I, I don't, I don't know what I'd, I have a feeling. I know what you're about to say. And I, I preemptively disagree with it. Um, but look, I, I'm, I'm, I'm high on Kiefer Sykes. I, I don't think we should write him off. Um, you know, he's been really solid at a high level for, for a good amount of time. So I think he's going to, I think he'll come in and I think he'll make an impact. Mitch Creek has been really, really impressive in, in the preseason. And I think if, if there's a, a local who has a chance to win the MVP award, I think he's probably in the running too. But, um, and I do like, and, and it's weird because I don't like to bet on guys who haven't demonstrated the ability to do something consistently, but Cam Glidden and Ruben Tarangi are two guys who I think just haven't been put in the right in the right situations to succeed. I think this is the right situation for them to succeed. And so if if they are able to produce in a way that I think they are that, that they're capable of, then then this team goes to another level. I think they I think they're just really balanced across the board, you know, from one to five. I do have questions about. The depth. Carl um, Adnan has been weirdly good in the preseason. Um, he, I don't think he's he just is just not missing shots. It's it's confusing me. Uh, but if I mean if he plays at that level in the regular season, then then this team I think can go to a, an, another level completely. Um, but then just that front court depth too. And that's what we talk about their defense and, you know, how do they stop some of those good big men in the league? You know, how, how are they stopping, you know, an Isaac Humphries or a Jock Landale or a Cam Oliver, you know, do they have the size to, to compete against those do those dudes. So I have them as a winner. Cause I do like the, the balance of that starting lineup and some of the pieces, whether they have enough, enough depth to get into the finals. I have questions about Steve.
2: Um, it's funny. Like remember how we, uh, we bagged Kane for being on the fence. Well, I'm kind of on the fence. I'm kind okay. of on the fence with the Phoenix. I've, I've probably got them as a very slight winner. Um, but I have all these question marks for the same reasons you do, Olgan, that depth is, is, a, is a problem. And again, and that as Kane said, the, the replacement for Robeson, okay, if, if, if Sykes can do that, then then great. But again, and as you, you're talking about Tarangi and Glidden, I, I'm just not sure that, that they'll give them what they need. Um, and again, if they do, then they'll certainly be far more... Uh, it's not that they weren't competitive, but again, as Kane said, their, their late game uh, defense wasn't great. And that that's something that's going to loom large again, especially in the front court. Um, as you said, like there's some bigs in this league who are, who are going to terrorize them, I think.
0: Yeah, I also think we, we can't forget that last season, the Phoenix had Keith Benson, who was... Effectively, uh just a nothing player. Um, he he may as well have just not been there. And so I think bringing in a guy like Ben Moore, who I think has, he's got he's got a lot of Jay Sean Tate vibes to him. So if he can come and at least take some of that burden off Mitch Creek, that was a big issue last season. Where you know I think halfway through the season, you know sixty percent through the season, Creek there was Creek got fatigued and he got yeah. tired, and it's just because yeah, he, he had wore to carry down. so much of the load. Right, he was maybe an MVP favorite at one point in the league. And then he just dropped off because he was so fatigued. He got gassed. And so I think Ben Moore is, is a guy who can come in and I guess help Creek out. And, and again, if, if those guys can can lift their game a bit and take some of that burden off Creek, um, you know, I think they have a chance. Speaking of Creek though, let's talk about the guy who he replaced in the boomers and that's Xavier Cooks on the Sydney Kings. He's out for a few months going into the season. He has a foot injury. It's an undisclosed foot injury. So it was, it was awkward when we saw him in the preseason game, he landed on it funny, but the Sydney Kings are going to start the season without him. And that's why I have them as a loser going in purely because they are missing far and away their best local player. You know, I I like Casper Ware junior, I think he can have, I think he can rebound and have a better season. Um, I do like Jarrell Martin. I think he's wildly under talked about going into the season. Um, and I think Didi Luzada has the potential to, to take that next step and be a really good impact guy, but losing your best local player, especially someone like Xavier cooks, who's going to bring so much energy. who's going to be so significant on both ends of the floor is going to handle the ball a lot too. Losing that, I think is just such a killer. Um, and so I, I don't see them as winners going into the, going into the season, if they can steady the ship, you know, as the finals approach or until Xavier Cooks comes back, I think the schedule is is maybe beneficial in that regard than maybe, but I don't know. They're they, they really iffy for me. Kane, what do you think?
1: Yeah, they're big, they're big losers for mine. And it's not necessarily through any fault of their own. As you mentioned, the injury to Xavier Cooks, that sucks for those guys. And of course, uh, Andrew Bogut. And, and listen, this is going to be huge yep. for them. This is just going to be monstrous. And I don't think that it's probably... Um, been spoken about enough. I know by his own admission last year, he was hobbling around, hardly able to get up and down the court, but you still saw the impact that he had on the floor. They had the number one defense. And and I know that, uh, I'm not going to call anyone out here, but I know certain people like to criticize the defense that they played, but they knew what they were doing. They had Andrew Bogut anchoring the defense. They kept the opposition to the, by far the lowest effective field goal percentage and the lowest free throw rate right throughout the season. And part of that was because they had the consistency. They put Bogut out in the floor. They knew what they were going to get. He was going to protect the paint. Teams weren't going to get in there. That's gone. So I'll be really interested to see where their defensive numbers fall this season. I think it's going to be bad. And I'm a little bit concerned about how they're going to cover that loss.
2: Steve, you got you got them as losers too? Yeah, unfortunately. And I think the other thing that, as Kane pointed out, Bogut, not just defensively, but not through his scoring, but just his ability to, to move the ball through the offense and because he's so smart it's such a big loss at both ends of the court for them um and not for necessarily obvious reasons um and and again as you said losing xavier cooks like that it's just it hurts them so so much um is going to step up I'm i'm in full agreement with you there but again depth and it's just i think it's going to be a long season for them
0: so we're going to go straight into some awards predictions now, this season again the, the NBL dropped the first two week, two weeks of the or the two first two rounds of the season. They're going to have this rolling schedule, but you know that doesn't mean that we can't make our predictions for the end of season awards. Um, MVP Bryce Cottons the reigning MVP, the Wildcats have him back. I think there'll be more of a burden on him. Kane, I'm going to throw it to you. tell me, tell me you don't have okay. who I think you have at this spot. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I, oh, I'm already laughing because now you've fed it up. So I tell you what I've got, and again, I don't like to get a reputation for sitting on the fence, but I, I actually <laughs> had two. I, I've got, I've got, I've got two names written down. Uh, one is Mitch Creek, and then I've got Flash Kiefer Sykes. And the the face take if I'm going to pick a Southeast uh, Melbourne Phoenix player would would be Mitch Creek. I think you pointed to it. I think he's going to put up massive numbers. I think he will benefit from. Uh, the second campaign where he's the guy because really that was the first season that he had to play to that level he was playing like an absolute maniac in the first weeks of the season i think he did fatigue but i'm all in on psych strains. i'm not I, i'm telling you I'm, I'm not big on the hot take this is what this is my hot take for for this podcast keep it psyched um don't let me down man <laughs> steve steve who's your mvp
2: I, sorry, I just need to get my eyebrows off the ceiling after that <laughs> after that M V P call. Just give me a minute. Uh, no, I, I've got Scotty Machado. Um, I think uh, he he showed M V P caliber form last year. He's going to be more comfortable again, um, running the show. He knows it's his show to run. Um, I think he's just going to be and an, it's going to be another dynamic year from him. I, I've got Lamar Patterson as as potentially uh, the M V P runner up. I think I think he'll be extremely versatile again um, just in a different uniform Um, and he he'll already we talked about him playing into shape last year Um, it's not that he was in bad shape but he he clearly had some rust that he needed to shake he's already been playing um, overseas so he won't have that this season
0: I'm in the exact same boat as you I've I've got Machado as my MVP I think he's a guy who can go out. He, you know, he's he was in the league last year. He's, he's used to it now. I think he has the potential to go out and average, you know, 20 and 10. Really. He's he's just he's got such a good feel. I, I like the guys I have next to him as well. I like Kwat Noi and I like Magic Deng and Mo King, you know, filling the lanes. Mirko Jarek as a shooter. I think Fabian Khrysovich is gonna is gonna kind of step up a little bit too. And I think taking the ball out of DJ Nubble's hands means that. I think Machado will see a lot more of the ball. And so I, I just think he'll be in such a good position to win it um, and, and to, to produce at that level. So, so he's mine there. Um, I, often we don't talk about rookie of the year as like as the next big award, but I think this season there are so many good Australian rookies and just rookies in general that I think it's it's one of those awards that's I think it's, it's going to be pretty fiercely fought after. Um, Kane, who's your rookie of the year?
1: Pretty boring. I, I, think, I think it's going to be Josh Giddy. I, I think that he's going to get the opportunities right out the gate. Uh, again, I know it's not the most exciting pick, but just watching him already to this stage, he looks so comfortable. He's going to have the ball in his hands, and he's unique to be starting at defending threes, uh, twos, threes, and then uh, handling the ball and creating offense on the other end. He's going to be great to watch. Uh, probably the most talented young guy in the league. I think he has to be the, the, the pick. He's,
0: he's one of my you know potential picks, but I think if yeah. I had to go with one, I might go with Justinian Jessup because he's shown a lot with the Hawks so far. I think he'll get a lot of the ball. He's not afraid to shoot it. I think he has the ability to produce well enough that he's definitely going to be in the conversation, if not toward the top of that conversation. Um, and, you know, we saw LaMelo Ball win it last year. I, I get it that there'll be a lot of hype around Giddy just because, you know, he is the potential draftee, the Australian, you know, point guard. He'll make some, you know, sexy passes, but I think Justinian Jessup has a potential to produce at such a high level that he'll be in that conversation. Steve, where are you in the same boat as one of us?
2: Yeah, I, I'm probably leaning with Kane. I, I had Josh Giddy uh, as, as my pick. I think from the get-go, you know, 13-8-6 in his first game, he just looked so comfortable uh, at, at this level um, I, I take, take your point about Jessup I, I, I just worry about his ability to get enough playing time on a team that has that much uh, depth I guess and, and veteran presence so I just think he's going to have the ball in his hands a lot and he's going to catch a, lot of, catch a lot of votes just by dint of that So last
0: season's defensive player of the year, I think the NBL calls it the best defensive player award um, DJ Neubill, he's out of the league the award is up for grabs um, I have Mitch McCarron as my Defensive Player of the Year. I think with the talent that United has to basically take the offensive load off of him, I think he just has the potential to be just the most annoying man on earth defensively. I think he'll 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 just be such a nuisance. He's already really good on that end, guarding on the ball, off the ball. So I, I just think the award, I think the award's his to win. I have Dengadel as my, my maybe, you know, We'll see what he can do. Uh, but I got Mitch McCann. Kane. who who you got for best defensive player?
1: Well, it's interesting. You mentioned Deng Adal. And it's also interesting that Steve just mentioned the depth on the Hawks. Uh, I like Justin Simon because this is actually is a guard award. We've seen it with, uh, or guard slash wing award. We've seen it with obviously Martin, uh, Tory Craig, DJ Newble. We've seen these guys. So traditionally uh, overseas in other leagues, we see defensive player of the year in the NBA as a big man award. That's not necessarily the case. Uh, here uh, outside of Andrew Bogut a couple of seasons ago. So I like Justin Simon. He's going to have to play. They're going to need him to defend. And there's so many good guards in this league that I think that he'll get a reputation for taking those tasks if he has a couple of those big marquee matchups where he plays well. Not necessarily a guy that's going to come into the league well-known from the fans, perhaps, or from the outside. But within the league, and certainly within the Hawks, they know what he can do defensively.
2: Steve? Oh. Um, it's, uh, it's funny. I've got, uh, I, I've got Mitch McCarran as well. And I just had written next to him, pest. Like he is just <laughs> going to, he is just going to absolutely annoy everyone. Um, I, I, I did like your Dengadel call as well. I, I had him listed as a possible and look, potentially, I don't think either of these guys are going to win it, but they might be in the conversation. Uh, Mitch Creek, his workload probably means that he just probably can't give it enough attention, but the potential is there, um, for him always. Um, and again, offensively, he'll get all the attention as well. But Cam Oliver as well could potentially garner some votes. I think with, with Newville not there as well. But I think it's Mitch McCarrens to lose.
0: Kane, you touched on a potential most improved selection. Who, who have you got?
1: Yeah, I've got Harry and I think it's going to be opportunity. I think he's going to get a chance to play a lot. You sort of touched on it. He's been a guy that I think we've all been watching and we see it from time to time. He has big games. I think this is the year that the opportunities will be there for him to put it all together. I, I, th- I think there's a chance for him to put up some some uh, decent numbers, we'll say that.
0: Look, like I mentioned before, I've got quite Noy there. I, again, I just think the opportunity is going to be there. DJ Nubal gone means that it'll open up for him. And I think he has the talent to step in and just do a lot of different things for that team. They're going to need you know, a third option. I think Noy has the potential to be that. So i got quite Noy as my most improved, Steve.
2: Yeah, I think we, we talked, we touched on it earlier, both of us said that we were really high on him um, being able to step up to that that third option. Um, interestingly, I've, I've actually got uh, Mirko Jerich as a potential one as well. Um, I just think that, again, there'll be more shots for him um, and he's shown he can make them. Uh, I think there's just more opportunities there for him now. I don't think he'll win it. I, I think it's noise to to, to win, but um, it'll be interesting to see how, how all that plays out.
0: Kane, sixth man of the year, I think, Corey Webster being out for the first bit of the season might mean that his potential six-man um, you know, conversation takes a hit. Who, who have you got?
1: I had Webster written down, but you actually brought up a name earlier that I think is a, is a complete outsider. I don't think maybe You're going to steal my be... pick. I, <laughs> no, I, I don't think I am. or uh, well, maybe I am. Who knows? Let's see. The question I have for you, Olgan, is if you have to predict Justinian Jessup's stats, what do you, what, what's he going to score?
0: I think Jessup has the potential to average fifteen I don't care about the other stats, fifteen points as a forty percent three point shooter.
1: Sixth man in the year is a scoring award. I've got him as an outsider for sixth man of the year. He's gonna come in, his job's gonna to be to shoot. We saw that in college. If you get a chance to watch some of the highlights that are out there, forty plus percent at Boise State over 129 games. This guy's just a shooter. And when he's going to be coming in, they're going to be asking him to do that as a scoring award. I've got Jessup as an outsider.
0: I have a feeling that Jessup might start too many games for him to yeah. be considered for that award. I think he's going to be good enough that they're going to consider him in the starting lineup and maybe bring Justin Simon off the bench. I don't think Simon's offensive output's good enough um, Not to good rely my on him. Defensive also...
1: player of the year, <laughs> 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 well,
0: Look, I thought, I thought you were going to stick my other pick, which was Clint Steindl. Um, again, I think, I don't think the Wildcats have enough creators. I don't think they have enough guys who can initiate offense outside of cotton. The best the Wildcats have is Clint Steindl. Uh, we saw it a lot in the preseason, just him running off screens. He's just awesome at just like sprinting to his spot, catching the ball and rising up. I think he has a lot of potential. I think he has potential to average 15 plus points a game off the bench. Um,
2: and so he's, he's my sixth man. Steve, do you agree with either of us? Uh, I, I did have Jessup in my list of, of potentials here. I don't think there's a clear standout uh, candidate right now, simply because, as you said, you know, how many of these guys are actually going to get too many games starting? Because Jessup well, could well, you know, could, he, could he go back to back with this award, but do Brisbane need him to start just simply because they don't have the depth? They don't have that luxury now. Um, and I guess the same for, for even, even King at Cairns. So I, I, I'm, I'm really not quite sure who who's... There's, there's no standout for me right now. But if I was going to pick, I'd pick Jessup.
0: Yeah. Look, the final award is coach of the year. Um, last season, I went, I went to Mike Kelly. Will Weaver was obviously toward the top of that conversation too. Um, I have it as Dan Shamir, coach of the New Zealand Breakers. He's got He's, he's got a new team and he's got a team that is in a position where we can actually focus on what Dan Shamir can do, as opposed to focusing on RJ Hampton and focusing on, you know, what Glenn Rice is doing on and off the court, right? We can focus on Dan Shamir as a really solid X's and O's guy. Um, And I think they brought in a really good balanced team that is really smart as well. And I think they'll run Shamir's stuff really well. Um, So I I think he should go in as as probably the favorite for coach of the year. Kane, it looks like you disagree with me. No, I agree with you. I was disappointed that you
1: stole my pick. I, uh, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I, I'm not I've sorry. Got him as <laughs> I, I've got him as well. I, I felt bad for him at times, You know, particularly in the post-game press conferences last year. It was an extremely difficult job with that team. The, the players were always rotating through. There was injuries. There was off-court stuff. There was all sorts of things going on. And the other big point is what I mentioned earlier in the show. Uh, he's going to have to manage this team away from home. And I think that that's going to deserve some credit as well. So if they do end up finishing in that top four, potentially top two, uh, he should get a lot of credit for that. And, and I think it's, I think it would be well-deserved as well after what we saw last season. Steve, do we have consensus? Uh, almost.
2: I've, I've got him as a, as a top two. I've got Brian Gorge in there as well. I just simply, I cannot, I, I cannot rule him out just simply because of the way he builds teams and the job that's in front of him, isn't easy, and yet he's the best man for the job, and I think he's going to go very, very close to to, to that award. Um, but I think if, as as Kane said, if if New Zealand do well and they don't play any home games, then then I think Dan is is well deserving of that award.
0: Gorgon has six of them already, doesn't he?
2: Something like yeah. that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yep. Christ. So look, to finish up, this is this was our, our first panel on ball in the real world and thank you both for joining me and I hope to do more of these again we're not just touching on the NBA; we'll, we'll touch on Australian basketball as a whole so whether that's the international game obviously Tokyo is probably coming up but we'll see what happens um, you know the NBA college ball is also something that I want to touch a lot on because um, we do have some really good prospects coming through um, one thing I did want to kind of add to these sorts of panels was a little segment called get real which is just a section where I don't like the idea of hot takes, but just, just a minute little block where we can all just speak our mind. And whether it's a hot take, whether it's something that you know, a decision maker has, has done that, that irks you or that you, dis, you disagree with or something you just wanna get off your chest, I wanna give everyone a minute just to sort of get real with us. Just be honest, no filter. Tell us what you think about something. Does anyone have a preference as far as who goes first?
1: Uh, I, I am I'm happy to go. Uh, I'm, I'm happy to go. And I can just say anyone that doesn't agree with my MVP pick of Keith is to get stuff. No, no, that is, <laughs> that is actually, that's actually, not, that's actually not the direction I wanted to go down. I don't have anything negative to say right now because we've, we're about to have basketball. And we've been waiting 10 months, as you said. So I'm actually, it's actually going to be a bit of a positive. I've seen some people just out on the Twitter sphere, out online making some sort of negative comments around the NBL Cup that's going to be in Melbourne, uh, we hope. From February 20. Uh, I think it's great. I think that this is awesome. I think we're seeing this with sports right across the world. We saw it obviously last year with footy, this type of tournament or festival, of basketball, whatever whatever it is that you want to call it. I think it's awesome. I think it's great for the TV viewers. I think it's great for the fans and for basketball fans in Australia and obviously Victoria in this case that haven't had sports for so long. I think it's going to be great for the league. Uh, And I, I think it made sense. To hold this in Melbourne—that's the other thing. The league headquarters are going to be just down the road. There's two teams that are in Melbourne. I think it's going to be great. I I just don't understand if you're a basketball fan how you could possibly complain about this. I think this is going to be great.
0: Okay. I mean, you live in Melbourne, and I don't. (laughs) So I I, I get it. Um, Olgen. Olgen.
1: Olgen. Let let me just let me just tell this story. So uh, when no one was able to travel between states anywhere at all. I, I randomly found out that Olgan, uh, by chance, was in South Australia travelling around the country on work duty. So, listen, Olgan, you, you've had the good life for the last 12 months. So, we, uh, you know, give us something. Give us something here in Victoria. Give, give
2: us Melbourne people something, Olgan. Come on. You can have the NBL
0: Cup. And Thank also you. those <laughs> members you. games. And, and... <laughs> okay, okay, sure. Um, Steve, what, what have you
2: got? Um, I'm a bit like Kane in that I'm trying to, Keep it positive. Mine's probably more a lament than anything else, and that's that we're only now seeing FIBA Patty in the NBA. Uh, I just, I had, I would have loved to have seen FIBA Patty for the last four or five years in the NBA, just shooting without conscience, just absolutely destroying defenses from from long range. Um, I, I think what he's doing now is what we've all wanted him to do for a long time. And he just, he fills a team role so well that he's never felt the need to. And I just, it's something that I wish we'd seen a long time ago.
0: I can, I can sympathize with that. I really can. Um, my, the thing that it doesn't irk me, it's, it's not even a hot, it's not a hot take. It's a take of, of some like temperature. <laughs> and I, I don't know if you guys would agree with me, but I think this current crop of next stars is better than the last season's crop of next stars. Um, and I don't know if that's a controversial thing to say because LaMelo Ball is LaMelo Ball. He was a top three pick and the way he's playing in the NBA right now makes us think that this was a really good pathway for him. But I think, you know, Josh Giddy, Mojave King, Justinian Jessup, Didi Luzada, I think they all have the potential to be starters in the NBL this season. And produces starters, whereas I couldn't say that for all of the next stars last season. Terry Armstrong did not play. Didi Luzada played like a bench player, and RJ Hampton also played like a bench player. Uh, the the only positive was Lamelo Ball, and he couldn't shoot at all. He was a 25% three point shooter, and so I think if Giddy can come anywhere close to the to the numbers that Lamelo Ball had, and I think he can go out and average you know 12, six and six, something like that. If Mo King can do what we saw in these preseason games, and Justinia Jessup can score the ball like we know he can. I think it's a really reasonable thing to say that this crop of next stars is better than last season's. And I think by the end of the season, we might say that they are far and away better than you know that first crop of next stars that the NBL had. This is all I have to say.
1: I'm buying it, I'm buying it. It makes yeah. sense, honestly. I'll, I'll, I'll buy stock in that.
0: I like this. We ended on consensus. So look, again, this is ball in the real world. Our goal is to to bring this sort of panel to you as often as we can. Every Wednesday we'll have a podcast. We will be covering Australian basketball as a whole. And so if you like Australian basketball at every level, make sure to rate review, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts come along with us. I think it's going to be a really fun, fun journey. Thank you to ESPN for allowing us to do this sort of thing too. Um, and, And you know, stay up to date with ESPN.com.au for all of the content that, that we all produce for the website. Um, But until next time, my name is Olga Nulic. Thank you, Kane Pittman, Steve Smith. We'll see you next time.